My guest today on Mission Impact is Bettina Fluck. Bettina and I talk about relational intelligence, what it is, how it's different from emotional intelligence, why it's important to team development, and how it can help teams work together more effectively. Mission Impact is the podcast for progressive nonprofit leaders who want to build a better world without becoming a martyr to the cause. I'm Carol Hamilton, your podcast host and nonprofit strategic planning consultant. Welcome, Bettina. Welcome to Mission Impact. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here, Carol. So I like to start each conversation with what drew you to the work that you're doing? What motivates you and what would you describe as your why? My big why started in Brazil. I was rescuing dogs a lot of times. I always saw a poor dog on the street, took home. I said, one time, I need to help something uh, in a different way. Instead of just doing individual dogs, why don't I go to a nonprofit and try to help them with many dogs? So I started doing a research of what shelters were around in my area. And I started volunteering them. After a while, I became the volunteer coordinator for the organization. And in the same time, I was running a marketing agency and learning a lot how to generate new leads, marketing, uh, big corporations. And I said, you know what? I'm going to use my knowledge to help nonprofits. So I started um, every Friday working pro bono, applying everything I learned in my agency to the nonprofit world. And then one after another nonprofit, it started inviting me to uh, revisit their fundraising strategy. And I love doing this more than my regular work. So when I moved here to United States and I had a chance to start from scratch my career, I said, why not work 100% with nonprofits? I love this. It's much better than working for profits. So I hired a coach to help me out to migrate and be able to work 100% with nonprofits. That's why, that's when I started working with Salesforce and implementing Salesforce for nonprofits. And I never stopped. Now I'm coaching nonprofit professionals. I'm doing a lot of new initiatives with nonprofits, but always with my heart on my work. Excellent, excellent. And yes, part of that shift has been um, focusing in on relational intelligence. So can you first just describe what that is? Yes. Um, first, I will explain why I came up with this topic and why it's so important. After helping several nonprofits, Meals on Wheels, um, I can name um, um, Chase the Music, a lot of nonprofits, I noticed that the biggest challenge inside the nonprofits is that the lack of professionals. They don't have uh, as many people as they wish to execute all the ideas. So people are wearing different hats. And sometimes a person who's running the volunteers needs to go and manage an event and needs to work on the fundraising um, strategy as well. So they need to be very flexible. And for an executive director to be able to delegate things for uh, their team, she needs to understand, I'm telling she because the majority of the executive directors are females, so the executive director needs to understand the native talents that each employee has so they can take the best out of them. And understanding and having a self-assessment tool and understanding about uh, what are the talents that each employee, each person on the organization has, 
help on relational intelligence, help on communication, help on taking the best out of each professional that you guys have. That's why I was looking for a self-assessment tool and a training that was easy to implement. And it won't be something complicated that they will have the wish to take this even to their own personal life. So uh, that's the self-assessment tool I'm using. It's called Triads. And how would you say that relational intelligence is different from emotional intelligence? First of all, I like to compare uh, relational intelligence to artificial intelligence. So we are in a big era of technology. We need to really improve our um, uh, skills on interacting with devices. In the future, we will be doing fundraising using Alexas and refrigerators because we're gonna have internet all over our house. So artificial intelligence plays an important role in the organizations right now and will play an important role even in the future. But not even, not only artificial intelligence is important, but people really need to understand how to relate with each other. And I can give you an example. Sometimes kids, they go out for a program and they have internet over there. Whenever the internet stop working, they stop talking. They only know how to communicate using their smartphones. Gladly, we are from a different generation and the majority of the professionals working on nonprofits right now, they were in a place where they haven't had devices, so use, uh, use device so much at that time. So they know how to relate with each other, but we are losing this capability. When COVID hit, we were uh, at home working remotely and we lost a little bit of this touch on how to relate with each other. So relearning how to relate, how to learn, uh, for example, gestures, postures, and how people react with your information, learning how to express yourself with words, not only texting or sending emails, plays an important role inside the organizations right now. Answer your question, what's the difference between relational intelligence and emotional intelligence? When we talk about emotional intelligence is understanding how you're feeling and how others are feeling. Relational intelligence is understanding what are your skills, how do you like to communicate and how the other person like to receive information and how they communicate, so different perspectives. That's what we're talking when we mention relational intelligence. Yeah, there are a number of different things that I want to follow up on there. Um, just your your kind of story about uh, younger generations and their, you know, just getting so used to communicating only through devices or then going to online school. And of course, we're doing this via a screen. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and just thinking, you know, just last week was the first time for me um to be back in a room with a group of people facilitating a meeting i hadn't done that since 2019 and um i, I know a lot of people who are at a, a big conference of folks who work with associations this week and um the posts on linkedin are about you know people have grown back their legs and you know this whole seeing people beyond just you know the the kind of top half talking head 
um, piece. So, uh, you know, I think it's uh, being able to um, navigate in both contexts is, is really important. Um, but yeah, that kind of figuring out how to work together as a team, who you work well with, communication styles, all those, all those things are, are really critical and important. Um, can you say a little bit more about the framework and how you work, uh, how you use that with teams? Yes. First of all, I think it's important to touch a little bit about behavior evolution in organizations. In the past, we are very used to have obedience of rules and authorities. We rarely listen to each other. Differences were punished. Everyone had to be equal. Technical activities were more common and logical intelligence was the most important thing. So if you have a high IQ, you will be able to be hired. In our present moment, what's happening, Carol, we still obey, we respect rules, and sometimes now we listen to each other. <laughs> Different sometimes are punished, as we can see uh, big movements like Black uh, um, Lives Matter, and we still have a transition between this respect between differences. Polarization and re rejection. We have a lot of that in politician and in problems that are coming up. Technical and relational activities starting to raise and emotional intelligence is super important in our present moment. But what we see in the future that's gonna happen inside organization is that people will start breaking rules. They're going to have more respect for each other, more freedom. You can see this in some environments already. The difference will be included. We're going to respect everyone's rights. We will really listen to people. Diversity will be accepted. Each one can have their place. And relational activities will be the main thing inside organizations and relational intelligence will play an important role. That's what I see the difference between the organizations. And that's why it's super important for us to start learning how to use relational intelligence in our lives. Yeah, I mean, I definitely um, see those, those changes as we kind of start to, um, I think there's been, it's been a long time coming of kind of questioning hierarchies, you know, how to uh, kind of that top-down um, way of managing, you know, I'm just going to tell you what to do. I'm not asking you to, you know, bring your thoughts to the table. Um, and I think, in, you know, in some arenas, that's still very much the mindset. And I feel like the whole great resignation, you know, with folks just walking off of jobs and, you know, not feeling like their managers or their organizations, their companies were really caring about them as individuals, especially as we were really confronting, you know, some some existential crises in, in COVID as people are, you know, literally having to face um, dangers to their their health and safety um, as they work. And, and then shifting towards the more egalitarian kind of flexible, um, uh, you know, changing rules, um, I feel like there's some organizations that are moving towards that and a lot that are still resisting it really, really very much. And um, with the whole, you know, everybody has to go back to the office three days a week or, you know, we're going to be doing this, these things in different ways and, you know, kind of like put up or, you know, put up or put out. Um, 
and some of what you describe on the other end feels a little utopian, but um, I'd love, I feel like there are a lot of folks who've been wanting management to shift in that direction for a long time. So well, I'm, I'm curious about your, you know, your uh, reactions to, to, to kind of our current moment. Yes, we've seen a lot of organizations um, wishing to change, but there is a lot of resistance. So the way uh, we are helping them is by bringing them awareness, awareness of who they are, the leaders, having them uh, having awareness of themselves and having awareness of the teams, the, the main people they have together with them and how to better communicate. That's why this training is super important because what we do is uh, we send a self-assessment test for every participant. They do the test, they receive a report of 28 pages that they can understand better about themselves. And then we do a workshop, a four hour workshop with the whole team explaining how they can use this knowledge to better communicate with each other. You ask me about the, the framework, how does it work? So Marco Antonio, the guy who developed this methodology, he's been a coach for 40 years in Brazil. He was the founder of ICF, the International Association, Coaching Association in Brazil. And he mainly coached CEOs of big corporations over there. After 35 years of experience leading and coaching CEOs, he figured out the main problem they have is leading teams and forming efficient teams, like combining different personalities and different skills in an efficient team. So as you might have heard, this is an amazing tool in the market, but has more than 80 years old. This is very uh, old compared to our um, reality right now. And there are other tools like Enneagram that are very efficient, but they require a lot of study. And whenever you want to scale down to the whole team, a methodology like that, without expending a lot of money with consultant, it's important to have an easy way to transmit knowledge. So the methodology that he has developed, this framework, has only five types. And they are the thinker, the achiever, the organizer, the social, and the integrator. And I can tell a little bit about each type so you can understand the difference between them, but he normally use colors. So the thinker is the white. As we can uh, imagine, for example, a human being connected to the cosmos, to the ideas, that's the white that represents it. The second one is the organizer, the blue, the, the person who is very um, here in the mind. The third one is the social, the green one that's connected with the heart, with the nature, the person that's very warm. The achiever is the gut, the orange, the person who really wants to get things done. And the integrator, if you visualize a person standing up, I can um, say that integrator is kind of a person who has roots, like a tree, a person who goes deep, who see the interconnection between the things. So the, the framework that we use have five types and each person has at least two of them that they navigate in polarities. And we explain a lot about polarities. Sometimes we think our boss is crazy because one day they're acting one form and the second way they're totally different. 
is because they're navigating into the two main characteristics and in polarities. I'm going to give you an example. A person who is green, who is very social, they're very empathic, but at the same time, they victimize themselves a lot when they're in the negative part of the green. So that's why it's hard. Sometimes you go to a person who is green and they're very happy, welcoming. The next day they're complaining and everything is a disaster. <laughs> so understanding polarities, that's something that's already in our environment and understanding that a person can have two different types and they use this to navigate the world, it's essential. So the framework also explains that during our life, we develop our third skill, the third type. This is what brings balance. So imagine if you're navigating into two different types and for you to have balance, you, have, you need something to hold you in the middle. And this is the skill that you develop along your life. We call the third color. So it's very simple. It's only five colors and the framework, it's, um, sorry to say again, it's easy and simple. So a leader can be trained and train their employees to apply this in their personal life. And someone who participated in the workshop will be able to go back home and identify the kids' personality, how to interact with them, and will be able to use them in their personal life and professional life at the same time. Yeah, as you describe those different types, I can I can see myself kind of going back and forth between the, I don't know, the thinker, the achiever, and then through all the work that I've done, probably always trying to strengthen my the relator, or I don't remember what you called that group, the social the social group. So yeah, um, and uh, and and polarities you mentioned. Can you can you say a little bit more about what polarities are and and why why they're important? Okay, yes, I think this is super important. Everything that exists in the world has polarities. For example, day and night, hot and cold, reason and emotion, right or wrong, results or relationships, networks or hierarchy. So polarities are present in our life all the time. The same way our native talents have polarities. So as I was explaining, if I'm a social person, sometimes I can be very loving. Sometimes when I'm in a negative of my uh, social, I can be victimizing. If I'm a, an achiever, a person who wants to get things done, they can really achieve goals, but in a negative part, maybe they can go over some people to achieve their goals. They can be seen as a cold person. So every type that we have in our framework has positive and negative parts. And whenever you receive your report, you're gonna be able to read everything that you have as a positive, everything that you have as a negative and how to relate with different colors. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate working, uh, helping groups see polarities because um, especially working in groups, there's often um, a push-pull between relationships and task, like what, you know, getting into task, what's the agenda, what are we, what are we doing next versus, you know, let's get to know each other, let's build trust. And I feel like a lot of um, groups feel like they have to choose one or the other. And going through that exercise of mapping out, okay, what are the positives for a relationship? You know, what is the shadow side? What's the positive for, you know, focusing in on task and what are the shadow sides? 
you know, helping them see that you can, you can really, you know, how might they really leverage more of the positive of each side versus having to feel like they have to choose one or the other way of working together. So um, I feel like it helps groups bring a little more balance that they can kind of you know, tack back and forth between, okay, well, we're going to do a check-in at the beginning. It doesn't mean we're going to spend the entire meeting checking in. Um, you know, we do have some things we need to get done where we're, we're, we are an organization that has a mission, has a purpose. So um, I, I love that tool as one that I think it's very often very eye-opening for groups that kind of releases them from that either or kind of thinking. How do you see that um, playing out in terms of teams thinking through their different strengths that they bring to the table? The way we approach this is we do some exercises together and one of them is teaching them to compare individual versus collective. So we write everything that by working individually, what are the benefits of working individually? What are the shadow part of working by yourself? For example, the positives of working by yourself is that you control your time, you can prioritize what's important to you. You have a peaceful mind, less conflict. You can move quicker. You have control and efficiency. But when you're in the negative or being individually, too much individually, you, you can feel lonely. You only have a single perspective. You have to put more effort on what you're doing. You can get stuck, feel overwhelmed, and maybe you can have blind spots. Whenever we are working on the positive of the collective, like working in group, we have different perspectives, we have more strengths to leverage, we have collective experience, we can go faster alone, but further together. And in the negative part, maybe we can deal with drama, uh, we need to deal with feelings, we have to compromise, uh, maybe we will move uh, slower and could be more expensive. But what we teach them is how to navigate. If you're in the positive of the individual, you go to the negative. The way of getting out is going to the positive of the opposite, the positive of collective. So how to navigate in this framework is the secret whenever you transcribe this framework to relational intelligence. So we go in the basics, understanding the concepts of polarities first. And then we introduce them the different types and how to navigate in your native talents. So I feel like a lot of the conversation about remote work or work in the office has to do with this push-pull again between the individual work and collective work and you know what, what settings do people need for each and a lot of assumptions from how work used to be um in terms of you know the this idea that if we're in the office we're going to bump into each other and have these you know co collaborative aha moments where actually the studies have shown that actually that doesn't happen a whole lot um it may have it ha those bump those kind of bump into someone and have a conversation moments in the office may have to do more with um that relational aspect of just kind of getting to know each other and building trust, getting to know the person outside of their, you know, work role. Um, but I'm curious when, when as organizations are having to navigate this, uh, do we continue working remotely? Do we do a hybrid? Do we do in-person? Um, curious how that individual versus collective conversation plays in and these types. I can give you an example uh, with a corporation that we implemented this methodology. 
Better Business Bureau has 17 employees and we train all of them. And the benefits of understanding their own strengths was that when they came back to the office from working remotely, they were able to understand what preference each person has. So the achiever, they really wants to have goals and settings and uh, it's okay for them to go back to the office as soon as they, as soon as if they can achieve their goals. For the social, it's super important to coming back because they need this relationship. For the blue ones who are the rational ones, they don't need this touch. They really need to see black and white plan in advance. They prefer to stay at home. But have, being aware of what are their strengths if they are blue, but at the same time, they have a little bit of green. Going to the office, they can meet, smack the activities that they're doing, but respecting each other and understanding their difference is what will make the huge difference in the organization. So they were able to better communicate and set expectations about coming back from remote work by knowing each other better. I can give you also an example. If you understand the native talents of someone new that you just hired, you can create a new integration process for this person. Imagine you're giving a task for several animals. For example, to be fair on the selection, I want everybody to climb this tree. And you're saying this to a monkey, to a penguin, to an elephant, to a fish, and to a dog. Not everybody will be able to climb a tree, but the monkey will say, okay, I will get it. And that's the same thing when you're in a work environment. I don't want to compare anyone to animals. I'm just saying that everybody has different lens how they see the world. If the leader understand what are the lens that this person is using to see the world, they will be able to better communicate, to better prepare an integration process, to better uh, prepare a meeting, to delegate, and also to follow up and give feedback. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I think that, you know, helping any kind of tool that helps teams have a better understanding about how people are approaching things, kind of their thinking process, um, how they're processing information, you know, how they approach things differently and having them have a conversation about that um, is always going to uh, help uh, the team work more effectively um, together in the future. We'll be back after this quick break. Mission Impact is sponsored by Grace Social Sector Consulting. Grace Social Sector Consulting helps nonprofits and associations become more strategic and innovative for greater mission impact. Download free resources on strategic planning, program portfolio review, design thinking, and more at gracesocialsector.com resources. We're back on Mission Impact. So at the end of every episode, I like to uh, play a game where I ask one random icebreaker question. Um, so the one I've got here is very unrelated to what we've been talking about, but what show on Netflix or streaming service of your choice did you binge watch embarrassingly fast? Anything recently? I think I will go back to nonprofits. I'm sorry, I'm a patient about nonprofits. 
I saw a documentary about nonprofits, international nonprofits. And when I was watching, I said, oh, this will help me so much. I will be very in love with nonprofits. Look, they even have a program in Netflix. But after I watched, they were, they were showing the bad side of the nonprofits. <laughs> oh, the no. Show. I was so sad showing how um, we are exploring the third word and everything. But I think it was super important for me to have a different perspective, a different approach, a blind spot that I wasn't able to see how the third world is receiving the support from international nonprofits. And this made me be more aware that it's important to see positive things and negatives all the time, you know, not just think, thinking that everything is beautiful, but listen to the both sides to take my own conclusions. So I'm still very passionate about nonprofits. I truly support international nonprofits. I think they're doing an amazing work. If they weren't here, we wouldn't be able to change the world. Nonprofits are doing everything that nobody else wants to do it. So I admire it and I was happy to find this on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, so I think with, with anything that people create, there's always an upside and a downside, every person, every type. There's always the, you know, the positive part. And then the, the, when you do too much of it, um, you can get in your own way. So yeah, absolutely. So what are you excited about? What's coming up for you? What's emerging in the work that you're doing? Um, I work as a coach and one of my best clients is my husband. And recently he wasn't happy at his work. And I, I was thinking that, I have so many tools to help someone find a new job. Why don't I use with my own husband? I said, okay, I'll give it a try. <laughs> Sorry that I'm clapping here. Maybe it's too loud for you guys. But I was super excited to apply everything that I knew to help a person find a new job. He did several interviews and he finally found a job inside the same company he is right now. And we're moving to Australia in the end of the year. Oh, wow. I plan to keep working with nonprofits. I plan to keep having my uh, show, Wisdom for Nonprofits, that I have a podcast and doing the same thing just in another country. I came from Brazil, stayed six years here in the United States, and my next journey will be in Australia. That is so exciting. That is so exciting. Well, good uh, good wishes uh, to you as you make that transition. That's a that's always a big one and uh, changing countries and learning a new culture, always a big transition, but I'm sure it will, um, I'm sure you'll manage it incredibly well and I'll be looking forward to hearing about your exciting uh, adventures in Australia. Yeah, I hope so. And maybe we can uh, share some knowledge from the nonprofits over there in your show later on. Everything that I learned that I think could be beneficial to nonprofits, I would try to share. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciated Patina's perspectives on polarities. Polarities are everywhere. Breathing in and breathing out, rest and activity. In groups and organizations, one where there's often a lot of push and pull, is relationship versus task. Many conflicts come from trying to argue for or against one side of a polarity. As I phrased it there, relationship versus task, big picture versus detail. But the truth is, we always need both sides of a polarity. There's an upside and a downside of each. For the relationship and task example, 
if you focus only on task, which is often the pressure in our culture, the upside is that you're efficient, you get a lot done, you're productive. But the downside is you might burn yourself out in the process, and we're seeing that a lot these days. You might alienate team members or bruise some feelings. If you only focus on relationships in a workplace, the upside is that you know each other very well and you hopefully enjoy each other's company, but the downside is that you're not actually moving your mission forward. You may be very conflict-averse and avoid tough conversations, but in reality, you do not have to choose one or the other. You can attend to relationships and get work done. And as organizations grapple whether or not to return to the office, hybrid or 100% remote, this will be impacted by what type of work your organization focuses on. And practically, some organizations are still locked into office leases that impacts their decision making. As you're grappling with this issue, I invite leaders to decouple the idea of the office equaling organizational culture. Every human group creates a culture. So remote only teams and, and organizations have a culture too. Culture is not created by the building. It's created by the people in the building or in the Zoom room. Whether you create that intentionally or, and are mindful of it or not is a different question. And even 100% remote teams get together periodically. Many remote first organizations have periodic retreats where they bring everyone together for team building, planning, and other activities. So again, you're not stuck in an either or. If you do decide to let go of your office, take some of your money you're saving on rent and be sure to compensate employees for those extra expenses they are now incurring by working at home. And provide st stipends for going to a co-working space because some employees won't have a good space to at home that is really conducive to work. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate the time you spend with me and my guests. You can find out how to connect with Bettina, her full bio, the full transcript of our conversation, as well as any links and resources mentioned in the show, in the show notes at missionimpactpodcast.com slash show notes. I want to thank Isabel Strauss-Riggs for her support in editing and production, as well as April Coaster of 100 Ninjas for her production support. Please take a minute to review and rate Mission Impact on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps other people find the podcast, and we really appreciate it. And until next time, thank you for everything you do to contribute and make an impact.